Hello there, and welcome to the Game Sharks podcast, uh, another bonus episode. My name is Andrew, and I'm your host. Joining me again is Derek. Hello. Uh, and today we're going to talk about Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. We, I finally am, uh, am getting more into the swing of things now that... I am not struggling in the in actually figuring out what I figuring out what I want to do. So now we're uh, we're gonna record uh, this episode on Brotherhood uh, and oh boy, Brotherhood! <laughs> what a game! Yeah, how, how when did we do? How long ago? I'm looking now. How long ago did we do the Assassin's Creed Two one? What was that like? Okay, so about yeah, a month uh, ago. Yeah, so not too month. bad. Yeah, I kind of I breezed through it. Once uh, Ghost of Tsushima came out, I really just wanted to finish Brotherhood before yeah. I play before I really dove in because I knew that I was going to take a while with uh with Ghost. So I, I kind of just uh sped through the rest of the game. Not really sped through, but just like I devoted all of my time to it. Right. Um. Yeah. So Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is the sequel to critically acclaimed Assassin's Creed 2. It's the second game in the Ezio trilogy, uh, and what many people consider to be the best Assassin's Creed game. Uh, yeah, that know, it is. I know it's your favorite, Derek. Yeah, it is. It is definitely, I think, my favorite when I am not in the mood for uh, pirates. Uh, <laughs> it definitely falls at number one, but, it, you know, sometimes it flip-flops, but... Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think it seems like it's definitely recognized as one of the or the best. Um, I don't, I don't know what game. Maybe two people might say is is the best. Maybe uh, some people might even say three, but I wouldn't say. I would never say three, but um, <laughs> there's some people who have like a very cult following of specific games. Yeah, they're definitely. Each game has their fans. That's oh, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, like I know that I know uh, there's a lot of controversy even surrounding uh, Origins and Odyssey too. I've read yeah. a lot. Uh, I've read a lot since uh, Valhalla was announced about uh, all of the different opinions about Odyssey. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. So it was nominated for Game of the Year. So I thought that was a pretty pretty solid return to form. But oh. from hearing uh, opinions about for just from users, it makes me question how valid that nomination is i did not know it was nominated for game of the year yeah it was nominated it was what was that 2018 2018 yeah it was hmm. alongside like god of war and red dead so there was no chance it was going to win but interesting yeah i was, would uh... i would not <laughs> right <laughs> i would not nominate it but... it must have been a apparently it was a pretty dry year otherwise so <laughs> that was we got celeste that year but but no but yeah, uh, so I have finally played through Brotherhood, and it was definitely a time. Yeah, for sure. So let's uh, let's start off with with the story. First of all, uh, the it picks up right where you leave off with two, where you're in the Vatican and you're in the vault, and you are, have talked to Minerva, who did that little flash forward meta an inception bullshit where she's like desmond you have to save the world and as like who the hell is desmond 
Uh, and so it just it just drops you right in from there, and you go do a little short sequence with Mario, and it it, it you know kind of intro- reintroduces you to the characters. It does uh, this thing that a lot of sequels do, not only in video games, but I've noticed in books too, where it will take the time to to briefly reintroduce you to characters and some of their personality traits and some of their key, uh, you know, tr- features and whatnot, because there is the possibility that this is somebody's first game in the series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of books that I read do that. Uh, and po- it bothers me a little bit because I'm like, why would anyone even think about playing them out of order? But then, you know, some people do, so I get it. Especially when you think about, uh, like, I, sometimes it makes sense, you know, if it was three years since Assassin's Creed 2 had released, but it was literally was it a year years? later. Oh, yeah. No, it was only a year later, so, yeah, like, no one really forgot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like everyone's coming off of a... Like, probably everybody in gaming at the time knew what 2 was. You said Brotherhood was the one that got you into the series, too, right? So, like... Right, you, right. And even then, it's not it's not like you were like, oh, well, I'm going to play Brotherhood immediately when it comes out. You're like, no, I'm going to go play the first two first. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure I... I finished two and then put in brotherhood <laughs> nice <laughs> like i think that that's how close in in time i like to the game coming out that i finished uh two yeah so it's it's it boggles my mind that some people would would dare play sequels out of order but i understand i guess from a from mm-hmm. a a game maker's perspective how they would want every game to draw in new fans in some way uh so they do do that after the first kind of introductory sequence with mario where you do you have your first uh you know introduction of combat and parkour and everything and you're talking with mario you you get dropped back at the villa and you there's like some some little mini escort mission to to do where you where like Ezio's sweet talking this girl and he's Mm -hmm. like but like this girl's probably in her 20s or 30s and Ezio is like 40 so it's like a little weird, but it also is like reintroducing Ezio's charm and his, you know, like kind of bachelor personality. And then immediately after that, he bangs Katarina. <laughs> Not even five minutes later. Katarina, who I didn't even know was a love interest at all in the in the second game, you know? Yeah. Like, there was no hints towards that whatsoever. And then there he is. So this is this is just them saying like Ezio just does what he wants, you know. Oh yeah, he just does not care. But yeah, the other thing I noticed immediately out uh, when I started playing this game is the noticeable uh, graphical improvement. And mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, I think it's safe to say that that will generically happen with every iteration of Assassin's Creed because every game comes out a year after so everything is is always being improved upon in that regard but it but it was it was very uh noticeable this time around because in the the story of Assassin's Creed 2 spans you know over 20 years uh but towards the end of the game they kind of just slap a beard on Ezio and say he's 40 but in this game in this game he actually does look look aged and it was a it was a nice touch is he really already forty in Brotherhood? Yeah, something like that, right? Wow. Let's 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 do some googling. I guess I I guess it, he looks a lot more aged in Revelations, but Revelations only takes place like four years 
after the end of Brotherhood, which I guess yep, is what, the, like uh, another four years? So yeah, yeah, I guess... At the beginning of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, he's 40, and at the end of the game, he's 48. Wow. Yeah, okay, that, that would make sense. Wow, I even... Even I didn't even realize that the game takes place over eight years. It it felt a lot more uh, um, contained than that, but but yeah, it uh it, this game does a much better job of uh of showing that Ezio has aged and he is mm-hmm. he is this seasoned veteran instead of just a, just a kid because it, especially because the story in two is told over like 20 years but the actual gameplay is told over a few hours right it, it doesn't really you don't really feel that progression as much but so now it, it it is it is nice to see um but the but everything is kind of cut short and and i actually love the way that they kind of explain away the why the progression in this game and why you don't have any of your equipment when you start. And it's because the villa gets attacked while you are in bed with Katarina. Mm-hmm. So you're ass naked and you're fucking, you gotta go save the villa, but you don't have any of your gear and the, there's a Ken ball coming at you. And that was, that was, a, I think that was a very Ezio way of doing it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, but the villa was attacked by the Borgia who are the main kind of bad rodrigo borgia is the main bad guy from two so uh you didn't kill him so they got mad that he attacked that you attacked them and then they are counterattacking you and they come in to the villa and they steal the apple and they kill mario and a whole all the shit goes down and then you then you have to flee and then you end up in rome eventually so the entirety of this game takes place in in rome uh which is pretty cool i think uh that focusing on one central area gives a big opportunity for the game to really expand on on more individual characters and keep the storyline like it allows for a much more connected world than two was which yeah. is really cool because there's a lot it definitely of... go for it i was gonna say it definitely like makes the location more of a character than than the other two games kind of does like yeah. you really get to explore rome yeah because it's like and rome itself is very varied location you have the the main city and you have the hills and you have the Colosseum and even all of the like the forests surrounding and mm-hmm. there's a there's, so there's a lot of variety in the location itself uh and because it's all centralized putting it feels like all of the time that you're putting in immediately pays off at least it should in theory because you know you're always around everything so whatever you do interact with you're always seeing and uh so everything is always close by you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but so the rodrigo the borgia rather are in control of rome and so it is kind of a common theme throughout the game that's pretty much your main goal is to remove the borgia influence from rome and that's pretty much that's pretty much the whole plot right it's yeah. like uh, <laughs> uh cesare borgia is the guy who killed mario and he is the main bad guy there's like a little uh foreshadowing scene at the beginning of the game that shows Ezio fighting him on horseback. And that was like, oh, oh that's the guy from the trailer. Like, yeah, yeah. And now, uh, and so he is the main dude. And he, the whole game is basically just leading up to the face off with him. Uh, and so the entire game is basically almost uh, like a, 
like a, since it is a sequel, there are a lot of elements that are the same, but it's since it is trying to be its own game, it also has to reintroduce those things. So a lot of the, the memory sequences actually are reiterating things from the second game. Like there's an entire memory sequence where you are recruiting the thieves and the courtesans and the mercenaries, right? <laughs> so it's like a lot of the, a lot of the same, but it telling it's telling it in its own way, and that is cool. Um, but basically the entire story boils down to the assassins are taking control of Rome and rebuilding themselves, rebuilding the brotherhood, uh, and removing the Borgia influence trying to reclaim the apple. Uh, so that is basically what is going on with that. Uh, but in terms of Desmond, ah, (laughs) so Desmond's story, I think, uh, develops pretty pretty interestingly as well uh, because Desmond and the gang, the the first thing that they do is go to the Auditore Villa in real life, like not real life, but the but present day. Yeah, present day. Yep. Which is like, it's cool to see it in present day, and there's like there's lights and everything, and it's it's like modernized in a, in a way, but it's also yeah like abandoned. But they they like bunker down in the tomb as their next like location to to search for the apple, um, you know, and so that, that that's there. The whole goal is they're trying to use Ezio's memories to find the location of the apple. Uh, but they can't, they, they, I forgot how they explain it. It was like, the, you're not synchronized with Ezio enough, so you can't access some of his later memories. So you, now you have to play out this portion of his memory and, and everything. So yeah, yeah. That's the way of explaining that. The animus like doesn't rejects you or something like that. It's it, yeah. Silly. Yeah. 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 Plot so, to make you play the game. <laughs> yep. So that's their whole goal. The game, I, I feel like the game can almost be separated into three chunks where it's like you have the beginning portion where it does all the exposition, just this huge chunk in the middle where it's basically just like all busy work and then the end chunks where it resolves things. Uh, and I think that's true for both SEO and Desmond's story because even Desmond, like in the in the game, in the other two games, you have required Desmond sections where you have to play as Desmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this game, there really isn't that. There's the the opening part with Desmond where you do do a, a cool parkour scene, and I I like the way that they at this point in the game and in the story, Desmond's sections of gameplay feel almost identical to Ezio's mm-hmm. uh, because he has based on the story, learned the ways and, and trained himself in that manner. Uh, so all of the parkour is the same. Most of the combat is the same. Uh, not that there's really any combat with Desmond in this game, but you mostly do parkour sections. And that and it is pretty cool. Um, but so basically the whole game is Desmond in the chair and there are no required Desmond sections to do until the very end. Uh-huh. Uh, but you do have the option to exit the chair anytime and you know, go talk to your, your people. And there's always, there was always an exclamation mark on my menu for me to do that, but I never did it. <laughs> Cause like, I, I swear to God, I did it one time to see what it was about. And I talked to everybody like five times. Then I went back in and there was still an exclamation mark. So, you know, I, shit like that. I was trying to remember if this was the first game, like where you could jump out or if maybe that was revelations, but yeah. Cause like, you can like run around and explore the villa too, if you want. Yeah. Which is like, 
I don't know why, because there's nothing for you there. Oh, isn't there, or is that the second one when there's there's like artifacts for you to find? Artifacts? They're in the second game. There are the god statues. Okay, that's the second game then. Yeah. 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 No. As far as I'm concerned, there was actually there was nothing to actually find in the villa, but you could mm-hmm. exit to talk to the crew and read emails, which okay, do a yeah. little bit more lore dumping. Um, so that's the basic plot for both of those. And so the way that Ezio's kind of resolves is you eventually encounter the Borgia more, take over more of the city. And then, you know, Cesare kind of goes mad with power. He kills, uh, Rodrigo and then you fight him, you kill him, you get the apple, you hide the apple. And then that's it. That's, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, Desmond, after finding the apple, finding where Ezio hides it, uh, he goes and the, the crew go, it's actually under the Coliseum, and then you do get to do a cool parkour section under the Coliseum mm-hmm. as Desmond. Uh, and then... Uh, and, and that uh, part of the game was, was really cool in and of itself because it was, the, not like, like the Auditoria Villa, a modern-day version of the Coliseum where you have electricity and, like, modern-day technology yeah. just about. And then you and then you get to go and do, like, the underground ancient civilization, you know, techno bullshit, whatever. And there was, like, this also weird, like, chapel or chamber type deal where you have to do more uh, parkour puzzles, and it's... It was just a cool section overall. And then, so they finally find the apple and there was an, another like, like section where there's a bunch of the ancient ones or whatever that Minerva was. Uh, I think this time it's Hera maybe, or, or Juno, I guess rather. Ju- yeah. Uh, Ju- I think it's Juno. Yeah. And she is talking to Desmond and telling him all about this like fate shit and whatever. And then they get the apple and it kind of takes control of Desmond. And then, he goes, and then he's like, he can't control his body, but then he stabs Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably killing Lucy, which is, and then the game ends. And it's like, what? So, I, I imagine in 2010 when this game came out, that that was monumental as a it, as a cliffhanger. That was a crazy, yeah, that was like a crazy twist uh, ending. Especially because it's like, um yeah like that's just the that's it you're like okay but i guess the one thing you did have to look forward to is the next one was coming out next year i mean obviously you didn't know that until like the rumors started circulating but you like knew another one was coming yeah at that point assassin's creed wasn't really cemented as a yearly release game so there there was that uncertainty at that time and i'm sure that made that period of time that much more exciting uh, and now I get to play in like the next month or so. Who knows? <laughs> Whenever I get around to it, as soon as I'm done with Ghost of Tsushima. Uh, but yeah, so that's I have no idea where the story is going to go from there. You know, it, it, presumably I have a vague idea from my memory. But uh, mm-hmm. if I had never played this game before, like you just have no idea what's going here, and like you know, apparent this is this is it's like written off as one of those like like oh this is like kind of like um doctor strange in in infinity war where he's like this is the only way or whatever yeah it's yeah like this doesn't seem on the surface like something you'd want to do but it is the only way to actually have the good ending so who knows where it's gonna go it's like <laughs> it's like i might be making this up but i vaguely remember 
it being revealed either in the next game or in some secondary piece of of lore that like Lucy was like a a double agent where she was a Templar working for the assassins working for the Templars or something like that some bullshit but I don't remember and I don't know if that's accurate I don't remember either so I am very curious to see where it's gonna go in Revelations Especially because Lucy was really the driving force behind that group, right? She was. It felt like she and Desmond were really building a rapport, you know. So it was like. It felt like she was get Desmond's gateway into that group, because Sean is a douchebag and I hate him. <laughs> uh, and then Rebecca is is also just kind of there. So now it's like almost forcing Desmond to be the leader. So, so like, I have no idea what what's gonna happen, and I'm I'm very uh very much anticipating it. Um, so that's that's pretty much how the how the story goes in this game. The, all like I said, a lot of the parts in the middle are kind of just fluff, uh, where it's like, yeah, go explore Rome and do cool shit in Rome, you know? It's it kill some dudes. I don't know. Like, there's a after you do recruit each of the uh factions kind of with the mercenaries and the courtesans and whatnot they're each i think there are three separate memory sequences where you do a, a central mission for each one of those factions so it's like it's like four entire memory sequences out of nine in the game mm-hmm. uh, are devoted to doing like specifically curated missions for these three factions that you already technically were affiliated with from the first from the second game i I always want to say the first game because it's the first one in the trilogy but it's technically the second game in the series um but yeah uh that's pretty much it for the story how uh how did you feel about the story at this point when you were uh when you were playing the game uh i mean i think my my favorite like or what i like the most about the story is um how like throughout it you're basically you, like you're building up the brotherhood in rome mm-hmm. and like you know Ezio's grow you know more seeing more of Ezio's growth as he becomes uh the mentor and you know he becomes basically like you know the head of the assassins yeah. in in italy and everything and then i i really liked uh at the time just like the kind of uh drama that is like the borgias and because yeah. like that, that that's historic that's like that's not just like you know a well-written i don't know you know story or you know plot points and stuff like that but like it was it's kind of like it's a very historical and yeah, i think because rodrigo borgia was a real person who was actually the pope right and his uh his i think his like son actually killed him <laughs> really or at least uh i i think cesare actually because I know that Cesare was actually, you know, he's a real person. So is uh, Lucrezia. Lucrezia. Yeah, Lucrezia. Because I think at the same time that this game came out, there was a show on, I want to say it was HBO. um, That was all about the Borgias. Or it came out the next. It came out the year after, so it was like kind of crazy. Like, oh, okay, look, we, you know, this is actually like a popular kind of um, like uh, you know historical event that now, okay, now we can, like there's a 
you know a dramatization of it on yeah it was on Showtime. Oh my god! Uh, I think it had had three seasons, but you know I had it was all about you know like the drama of that family and right. I think are the Crezias is if are, are they like in love too? Yeah, so like it's, yeah, like there's the incest in the family and stuff. Yeah, Luc- Lucrezia was uh was his sister, and but they were also she was also his lover, which was unclear until the very end of the game, and I vaguely yeah, remember that yeah. being the case, uh, and then it was confirmed for me, and I'm like, yep, that makes sense, but also weird as hell. Yeah, it was like the the drama of the the um Lannisters in Game of Thrones, but like. Way before Game of Thrones yeah, was right. a show, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that, like, they were maybe part of the influence in his, in his writing of of those characters. I I don't know. I don't know that much about uh, the Game of Thrones books and stuff, but yeah, I, yeah I literally it's have zero knowledge of it. it. It was a cool. I I really liked that. Uh, I I really liked that time period. I I didn't know yeah. a lot about the Renaissance, like going into these games and it definitely was educational as you know like oh i look like wanted to look stuff up about you know like this historical stuff and like i think that's one of my favorite things about the assassin's creed series is it like mm. it, like, it sparks that interest in the yeah. in historical settings yeah what like yesterday, I you know playing Odyssey, I ended up like oh I want to look up all the like who are these people that I'm oh okay like uh, mm-hmm. there's I, I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say something that was very spoilery, and I'll, I'll oh, hold back. Okay. <laughs> uh, but gotcha. there's a character you meet in Odyssey, and I was like, wait, like where did I thought you know something else about this character? And then I like, oh okay, and then the game explains its way around. Yeah, what like it's, isn't it's historically like hidden, accurate or whatever history or whatever. Yeah, it's like, like it's, the it's game's history yep. adds this to that character. And it's like, oh okay, cool that's that yeah that stuff's really cool uh and you still have uh, a lot of the prominent historical figures from the second game returning like machiavelli yeah uh, yep. leonardo does make a, an appearance in this game although much too brief for my liking i would say because leonardo is easily one of the best characters in two and he's only in this game like but like you're drug dealing on a bench or something right yeah you 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 meet him briefly is this one i think too it's like implied that maybe he is gay really i, I can't remember i there's think there's a in two i think there's like a secret hug you can do with him maybe maybe it was the second one because i i read about something there's like an achievement you can get by getting the hug from leonardo yeah and it but i don't remember that i don't remember if i got it or not i don't I don't know, but uh, it's at the very least implied that Ezio and Leonardo are very good friends, uh, and I wish that he took a larger role in this game because Leonardo boils down to a, an upgrade shop in this game. Uh, you at some at like maybe halfway through the story, you gain access to buy uh, upgrades from him. That's how you get the the mm-hmm. second hidden blade, and you also get the yes. climbing glove, which is kind of bullshit because in the second game, like I was starting to, it, it's it, cause this game as a sequel uh, is trying to explain its progression in a way that makes sense considering the second, it is a direct follow-up to the second game. So like a lot, and there's not really a lot that it does to expand and add to 
uh, the techniques in the second game. Um, so, for example, the climbing glove replaces the like leap, the climb leap ability in. Two. Yeah, yeah. But it's like if it was a climb leap ability and Ezio already knew it, then why do I need this glove to be able to do it halfway through the game, right? You're right, right. So it's like I think I think it falls flat a little bit in that in like specifically here where it's like okay these things just feel like they should have been there to begin with instead of a kind of just a progression locked behind a, a an in-game paywall. I don't want to say a real paywall because you don't need to spend actual money on it, uh, but you do need to spend your in-game currency to to upgrade yourself that way. Right, right, and yeah, and I, and then usually there's like some kind, it like opens up some road of of content of oh now I can like do all these parkour you know these climbing things that mm-hmm. I couldn't do before because the post was a little bit higher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah, so it's like it's like and and after you buy those three things from Leonardo, he doesn't have anything else for you. You can at some at certain points during the story sit down with him and he'll have like a like a little brief. Like, oh, hey, did you hear that this happened? And Ezio's like, yep, that was me. Mm-hmm. And, and But that's it. And then there's like a very short cutscene with Leonardo at the end of the game uh, before Ezio kind of leaves Rome. Uh, and he and he's like, I trust... Or, or, I don't even remember what he says to him, but he's basically, it's basically like he's saying goodbye, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I really wish that Leonardo was, was more prominent in this game uh, and the rest. But they do, I think kind of in contrast to that give all of the other secondary characters from two bigger chances to shine like i said machiavelli is is much is pretty much the the second biggest character in the game aside from Ezio, in terms mm. of the assassins because obviously you have uh, cesare who's the the main antagonist um but uh but you have machiavelli you have um fucking la volpe and the other guy who i don't remember his name uh, um, let's see. <laughs> Real memorable characters. Uh, yeah, I mean, in theory, Bartolomeo. Okay, yeah. In theory, yeah. I should remember his name, but I, I, I don't. Just because, like, I played through it so fast, and then it just goes right in and out of my brain. Yeah, um, yeah. So, all of those pl- uh, people have a much larger role in the game, including uh, Claudia and Ezio's mother. Um... Oh right, yeah, his sister, right? His sister. Yeah, his sister is 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 she like runs the courtesans now with with yep. her mom and uh, and then she becomes a full fledged assassin yeah, at some point in the game, which is which is really cool because like it, it, it's it's another aspect of character development for Ezio where he's, he has to accept that his sister you know grew up like after his his father and brother brothers were killed he has he had to kind of assume the role in his family of the protector and yet he, he wanted to protect his mother and sister but now he has to realize that his sister can protect himself protect herself yeah yeah uh so that was that was a really cool uh moment in the game too where, where she was like i know how to wield a knife and you know <laughs> stuff like that um but the uh the other thing that rome does that's that's really cool is it opens the opportunity for so many subplots to exist um so a lot of the the side quests throughout the game are kind of subplots that run alongside the main plot and oftentimes uh or in some instances will will tie into the main plot almost so you have the i think the the coolest one is the the followers of romulus yeah oh yeah i 
I can't remember it completely, but I, I know what you're it's, talking about. Yeah, it's it's the thing that replaces the assassin tombs in this game. Yeah, yep, uh, yep. And the the coo- it's like these dudes who are wearing like wolf skin clothing mm-hmm. or whatever, and and they some of them I at the, at the beginning of the game it was almost made it seem like they straight up don't speak English and are like <laughs> almost embodying wolves. But throughout the game, it turns out there was it was more of just like an aesthetic thing, and it, you know, not necessarily their entire being. But yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's actually as you play uh, through the game, you kind of go deeper and deeper into those uh, their doings and their 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 goings on, and and at the end of their last uh, quest, you figure out that they are actually. Like they're the leader of the followers of Romulus is just like basically a messenger for the church, and so it's just another way that the Borgia are controlling the people. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a really cool way to connect those two plot points, um, and kind of explain or like put, provide additional context to the thing that you'd been doing. Right. Right. Yeah. And while I don't think it's a uh, it's necessarily as cool as like the uh. The assassin tombs especially the the romulus armor is nowhere near as cool as altair's armor yeah uh, yeah it's still it was still really cool side quest probably the best set of side quests in the game you also have stuff like uh copernico uh which are the the scholars that you're that you're um that you're saving you have to save all the scholars but like it's it's like you can basically do them all from the start and then they're done so it was like, you know, it was cool, but I didn't really it, like if it wasn't there, also cool. Yeah, right. It wouldn't have made it made a difference. Yeah, really, the only uh, side quest that felt like satisfying to 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 progress through was the Romulus ones, but I do appreciate the the attempt to to add some sort of subplots to the game you also kind of through doing the side quests for the thieves and the mercenaries you have uh, little bits of information that kept like popping in uh through those like the thief all the thief quests that you do and you get a few every time you go to a new memory sequence um you they they keep mentioning the the i think it's like the senti oki or something which is like the hundred eyes which is like a a rival gang or some shit uh and and I felt like that like having the thieves have their own like endeavors and their own agenda was was cool just to exist alongside the the main quest because it yeah adds, yeah it adds a little more life to the city of Rome right it's not just the assassins versus Templars like there's there's other stuff mm-hmm. going on this is really it's really where the series starts to develop its narrative of it not being just just this black and white good and evil kind of mm-hmm. you know show uh which which will get brought up a lot more i think later as the series progresses uh, especially once once assassin's creed 3 rolls around where it's like the the templars and assassins are more of a one big gray area yeah yeah but yeah so i think that the way that this game handles side quests is a lot better than uh in 2 because of the the way that it's all contained in rome uh and it's it, it feels less like busy work and more like like you're actually developing stories and helping the people of the city, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did think that was really cool. 
uh, and and that's all just from a narrative perspective. From a gameplay perspective, it's more more or less the same. Uh, they try and add a little bit more variance to the gameplay. For example, you have the the stuff with uh, all like there's a big mission for Leonardo that you do where you kind of destroy the war machines that the Roman government was making him build. Yeah, uh, and it's in each of those. Um, in the in the each of those quests, it makes you pilot all of the war machines, and so you have the flying machine is back, but this time it adds like some some bombs to it that you have mm. to like you do aerial bombing, and then there's a straight up tank that you use, <laughs> which is like okay, and then there's like some more like horse like horseback uh or horse pulled carriage cannons mm-hmm. like mounted cannons, and then also a naval cannon, um. And I think all of those are cool in theory, but in practice, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the gameplay with those were just clunky. They didn't really control very well, and I think I would have rather just played the main game. Right? Yeah, they're the, like cool in theory that like oh Leonardo like developed this stuff, but then yeah, like right. yeah, it's a little it's a little clunky. Yeah. So still uh still neat, um, but uh it's it's really the only other way that leonardo is is implemented into the game and i wish that he uh he did more like i said earlier but yeah uh the one i think the biggest offender of the the needless side quests like why did this exist is the christina missions do you remember those um no okay so so it's actually your progression uh reward for this game so the thing that they added in this game is a kind of a progression meter almost. So every single uh, memory sequence is broken up into missions like the mm-hmm. second game, except this time they are they're more sectioned uh, and easy to kind of determine from each other because each one has a distinct name and a synchronization percentage so you can mm-hmm. yep. get 100% sync on any mission by completing its main requirement and a bonus requirement uh, so oftentimes the bonus requirement is something like do it in this amount of time or do this without getting seen or kill this guy with this specific weapon or something like that you know so each uh, percentage of this of, of your synchronization uh, adds to a total meter and as you hit certain increments on that big meter it's not like an actual meter, but it's just, you know, like metaphorical or whatever. Or uh, I can't think of the word, but you know what I mean? Overarching, it's just like omnipresent or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so as you kind of hit specific check marks on that meter, uh, you will unlock Christina missions where you get to uh, go back in time to Ezio's youth and throughout his life and play through scenarios that were hidden from the second game story for some reason where you Ezio like goes back to interact with Christina who was his love interest from the second game or as many people might remember her as the chick that he banged in the opening oh right right okay yep. yes yeah. i remember i don't know if i did i even do all of them i don't even remember if i did so all of them i did all of them because the other weird i think thing about it is that there is not there's not even a requirement for getting 100 percent sync it's the max is 75 percent mm-hmm. so once you get 75 percent, you get the final christina mission um 
And so it basically just like retells interactions with Christina at various points in Ezio's life. And the first couple are kind of cool. You, you know, it's like, I think it's in terms of uh, like a performance standpoint, it's awesome because it, it showcases uh, the game's ability to produce different character models. Like instead of just sticking the same character model in every scenario for Ezio, he looks noticeably younger. The voice acting mm-hmm. is noticeably like this is definitely like 20 year old Ezio instead of 40 year old Ezio. Um, uh, the fr- but it's like kind of just briefly after he had left Firenze. And then like there's a, there's one where you have to give your father and brothers a proper burial. And Christina is also there for some reason. Uh, but as the game goes on, it, I think it gets more and more pointless. Like, cause it's, it, it's like, there's, it, the, it feels like they are trying to flesh out, a a character that wasn't there. Like, it, like in, in, in two, I didn't think Christina was anything more than just like another fling for Ezio, you know? Right, that she was anything important to him. Yeah, but it's like, but apparently this game is trying to this game's trying to play it off as like, oh no, he was like, she was like, his lover. Like they were, if if everything had gone smoothly, they would have gotten married and some shit, you know. Right, right. So it's like, but throughout this story, you know, Christina through this b plot almost uh at christina is constantly like no like we can't be together because you you know are an assassin and you have your own life and i i'm just here in frenze and i i have a lover now because i didn't think you were coming back it's been you know this many years and Ezio's like oh but i still i'm Ezio, so i can do whatever i want and i still have feelings for you or whatever you know <laughs> so it's like yeah. there's a period of time when he Ezio like goes and and saves her husband from or her fiance from being beat up and then she and like assesses him or whatever and, and is like you better treat her good but Ezio but like Christina was at that point a hundred percent ready to take Ezio back you know like but, <laughs> but then he's still like nope you're like your husband's good and and she's like wait what the fuck <laughs> so like he was saying then her mixed single mixed signals and then later on you go back to the um the carnival uh where everyone's in masks and she like you like bring christina into an alley and just start making out with her randomly but it's been like eight years and then she figures out it's you and then she flips her shit (laughs) and then like and then there's another the last one is is the the fucking kicker because you go back you're like back in forense and she like friends is getting attacked like it's during that that period of the game and she mm-hmm. like she dies and that's it and it's like and, but like she reveals like in her dying breath that like she like always loved Ezio or whatever and she like would have taken him back and i'm like what the fuck dude like you, first of all fleshing out a character that didn't need to be fleshed out uh and then i feel like you just like beefed the character development so hard because it it like it shows that Ezio did not learn anything about about you know how to treat women I guess Uh, especially considering since this is all in theory taking place before the events of Brotherhood he is still just like kind of banging around you know it was just it was very weird to me and I did not think it needed to be there and I, I think like the 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 character development like from that those events shown like doesn't even come into play until like the 
end or even like part of revelations i think yeah when he like realizes that like his lifestyle is the assassin's lifestyle is preventing him from like living a happy life kind of thing mm. yeah and it's like it's like if 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 this had taken place alongside a main story point where that happens then i think it would be it would be much more welcome but the fact that it's just like a weird progression reward for for doing things in this game right right like i just at the end i felt so dissatisfied with it because the choices that fco makes in each of the scenarios are baffling uh so so it was very weird yeah Uh, but uh but most of the other side quests are pretty good you you have a lot of returning elements like uh like the investment thing where you get to invest in shops and that uh kind of instead of uh, investing in the villa you're investing in the entire city of rome which is pretty cool um so uh i think this is another instance of really cool in theory but it kind of falls flat in execution mm-hmm. uh and the reason for that is because at the beginning of the game I did feel like uh, a lot of the things I was doing were worth it because it was directly affecting my income. So, like, the more that I was doing things, the more income I was generating and therefore able to buy more things and do more things. Uh, The problem comes in, like, after you've put in five to ten hours where it's, like, there are so many things in this game that you can sink money into that don't do anything except exist as a thing to sink your money into and i think it's such a missed opportunity for you to have things like landmarks purchasable that once purchased don't actually change anything like you like in the second game uh i think it was it was really cool and we got a glimpse of it of what this game could have been or what this system could have been rather uh where you have like different areas in the villa that are kind of broken down and out of operation but then you invest the money into it to renovate it and then it gets you access to new chests and new like locations Um, yeah yeah uh and that was really cool because it's like okay i'm putting the money in and i'm getting a reward back but it's like in this game all it's it's like you build you invest money in a landmark and then the landmark just stays the same and you own it and it (laughs) it ticks up some of your progression meter Right, yeah, it's just, it's not even, there's no, yeah, it's just checking off a box. Yeah, exactly, and the the thing that makes it even more frustrating is because so many of the landmarks specifically are so expensive to buy. So it's like, I was like, I thought that it was going to be the case because there's like a, there's one particular viewpoint that you need to buy like an aqueduct to get, Um, and then there's one particular... Uh, there's another viewpoint in the middle of the city that I thought you were going to need to buy. Um, I think it's not it's not the Vatican, but it's like a it's like a temple of some sort. The Pantheon, I think you need to buy. The, mm-hmm. I thought you would need to buy the Pantheon in order to get up to that viewpoint, but it turns out you can actually just go to the back and there's a with the way to climb up that I didn't find it first. Um, so, you know, I was spending so much time and money trying to get everything, and at the end of the game, I was just like okay well why it's like especially too because a lot there's uh, some there are some things where i think this is where 
Assassin's Creed started to kind of, or, or like it's technically always done this because the one in one and two, the rewards you get for for investing the time aren't really worth it. Uh, like you like especially in one with the uh, the feathers and the flag, no, not the feathers, but just the flags. Um, but in this game, so the reward for getting a hundred percent renovation of Rome is the Auditore Cape, uh, which or maybe it's the Borgia Cape. No, because the Borgia Cape is for getting all the flags. Um, but the uh, the reward is the Auditore Cape, which makes it so that you are always at zero percent notoriety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like by the time you will realistically be able to do that, since the entire map isn't even open to you until memory sequence seven out of nine, and the only and memory sequence nine does not take place in Rome, so technically there are only. <laughs> seven total sequences that take place in Rome, and by number seven, you cannot access the entire map. And so by that time, you don't even need the notoriety because you are not going to be spending time moving around the city. Right, So it's right. like the same thing with the Borgia flags. The Borgia, the Borgia cape does the same thing functionally, uh, but you can't actually like use it because you can't get all of the Borgia flags until memory sequence eight. And it's, so it's like... I feel like they haven't really quite nailed the the investment reward payoff yet. Um, if they ever do, I don't know. I haven't played the rest of the games yet. Um, and I feel like that, like that uh, trait also like wasn't was something that kind of around that time started just like popping up in games in general, like yeah. just having these these weird things like objectives that, that are there just to be there right like they're there for like the completionist person who who just likes completing games 100 yeah. percent. and like i know i like i remember i tried and wanted to 100 percent uh brotherhood because i wanted like mm-hmm. the platinum trophy and everything and like i had almost platinum too and i was like no i'm gonna do it and then i think the only thing i didn't really do all the way was uh, I didn't like finish all the silly challenge things in each sequence or whatever, yeah. and then I didn't finish the Borgia flags. Yeah. Because um, I was just like, I I'm gonna just play something else now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the nice thing about this game too is that it does provide you maps for the feathers in the Borgia flags. But yeah. again, those are very expensive to get. It's like it's like twenty thousand florins, and it's like. But and so the the and the thing that makes it even more frustrating with this game is because in two you do get a lot of income just from doing quests and doing the main story and uh, alongside the the villa investments. But in this game, really the only income you get is from the villa is from your investments. Mm-hmm. Um, there are chests, but I think that the payout for getting those is a lot less uh it, you know overall because a lot of the because it also with the introduction of the of the tradable items in this game uh, a lot of chests kind of sacrifice a little bit of the dollar amount for those items um and so you know in terms of your income in this game it's a lot less frequent than it than it was in 2 so the right. the high costs are are even more uh kind of egregious in this game um so so getting the feathers too there's only 10 of them in this game but it only gets you an achievement so again i was just like yeah whatever and a lot of them are like really out of reach and like high up or whatever i think i've got four or five but I, it wasn't something i was going to go out of my way to do 
Yeah, yeah. Especially because there's no reward. Um, and then the shop quests, I think, are also another thing that was cool in theory and kind of fell flat in execution. <laughs> because the at the beginning of the game, the like the very first shops you go to, right, are like, they're like, oh, here's this powerful sword, but you can't get it until you do this shop quest, right? Uh, but the but with some of them, like you cannot even like actually achieve, like finish the shop quest until memory sequence eight. The same thing as like as the other one, where it's like a lot of the, and like I felt like a lot of the, or the items that are required for the shop quest. Basically, how the shop quest work is the. Uh, they give you a list of items that you need to trade in to, yep. to complete the quest, and then so you just have to find those items and trade them in. The problem is it's presented in a way where I feel like those I, those items aren't like as unique as they are, where they are just things that you can find, and that if you find like if they're more common to find, and then once you find them, you can trade them in. But a lot of them are like very unique items, and there's like only one or two of them in the entire game. And you get those by doing things like exploring optional chests in the Romulus layers, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I remember I didn't get one of the items to complete the shop quest until I was doing the last Romulus layer in memory sequence eight. And by <laughs> that time, I was like, it was like, and like by the time I did that, I think I I did the next mission, and it was like, oh, you can't actually go back to the city of Rome until you finish the game. And by that point, I was like, okay, well, I'm not gonna play it anymore. Right? Yeah. What's like, the point? Yeah, it's like, like I've already. I'm finished not gonna the, use this anymore. Like, yeah. It's like I, by that time you've already unlocked through main story progression a better weapon. Right. Right. That that's I feel like that's just a a, a two a thing something that i i'm seeing still in yeah. in odyssey uh and then it's just like something it's a problem in like single player story driven rpgs like i i i was thinking a lot uh about um like yeah like in in odyssey you run into that issue where like there's these these possible rewards for like at like level 50 or something mm-hmm. and but it's like it's now clear to me as i'm playing the game like i am not going to be i'm going to be way before level 50 before like by the time i finish this game like what what incentive is there to now go get that if like i have no like gameplay really yeah. like the core gameplay is gone for me to use it in and i it I've makes me think of like the one game I can in memory that I can think like did it right was like Skyrim where like there is no reward there's no late game quests or whatever like everything in that game besides like the you know the main later quests is accessible early in the game mm-hmm. so like you know you can do like the Dradic quests and the uh like you know the um the cl- the the college of when you know the, the mage quest and the thief quests all like early on in the game and you can get those rewards and then you have them for like the rest of the game and yeah. like you can use them and it's like and it's like it rewards your time because you went out of your way to do those things you know immediately right and it's like you should it's like you're not breaking the game in a way because you have those items because you did go out of your way to get those items so you right. should you... be rewarded by having them 
you put in the time and then like the game you know it does well at uh, at scaling the enemies and stuff and dungeons and stuff like that too so you, you know you don't you know like those those weapons yeah i think it's just like it's a yeah. definitely a problem it with um just like rpg game design and which like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood is like a very bare bones yeah. RPG. It's more of like a story based like action game with some light RPG elements. Yeah, but now but you have it was kind of like it was kind of like we have this story in place and we have this world that we can use. So let's just throw a bunch of things in because we can. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so a lot with the uh, even with the world itself too. There's a lot of instances where it's like, okay, you're showing me that there is a viewpoint on my map but then i don't know that i can't access it until i walk all the way to it and a big white mm-hmm. wall of like dna Pops up. memory or whatever is like nope you can't go here and then it's like so then why put it on my map to begin with right like, right it was so frustrating where every single memory sequence i'm like okay let me go see if i can access this now nope and it was like not until it's like you can't actually go there until the the game requires you to do it. And I think I brought this up in the last episode of the podcast we recorded, where Assassin's Creed at this time was branding itself as an open world game, but I do not believe it falls under that category. And I think it's a fake open world game, where it's like, or it's like a linear linear open world. Uh huh. Yeah. Where yeah. The world itself is is large and quite expansive but you don't actually have the freedom to explore it in in open sense right until you progress yeah and it's so it's like after playing games like breath of the wild and now ghost of tsushima it's just it feels bad to to play sometimes where it's like i want to go do these things and i want to explore this world that you've given me but the game is telling me that i can't do it until i've done another thing and so it's like which now with with the newer games they've gotten rid of that like dna wall but mm-hmm. now it's in place with 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 level scaling right. that prevents you so like you, oh you can go there but like but if you're you, gonna get fucked if you get in a fight you're gonna die so yeah. like you can go explore all you want but like you're gonna die if you get in a fight and that for me feels like even worse yeah well i'm uh, sure i'm sure i will see when i get there but yeah yeah, I'm curious to see how what you think about that uh, mm. as a difference because, like, yeah, now because now I, at least I've run into this problem with Odyssey, where like the world's so big, like I've like not gone places because they were too high of a level for me, mm-hmm. and then I've progressed in the game, and now I don't go back even though I'm high enough because now it's like, well, what's the point? Like, I don't clearly I don't need to go there, so yeah, right, you know, why bother? Yeah, it's just uh, I feel like uh, Assassin's Creed in particular is is just something that they have always failed to to really execute on is the is the the reward for investing your time just overall. It's it's definitely a symptom of of a lot of open world games too. I yeah. feel like, and I haven't, I I didn't really play a lot of uh, open world games from the 2010s, so I'm sure you have much more experience in this regard uh, as than I do. But uh, but from what I've played from these Assassin's Creed games, it definitely shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think when you when you compare and, and and I don't like yeah, I guess it's it's the part where it's like okay, this is a heavily narrative and story-driven game, and that's why we have to, you know, that it's like that, like, 
this is this is our excuse you know like this isn't a player driven story it's our story and like you don't so i guess that's that's also like a big a big thing and i I guess that's where i'd like to see and maybe with valhalla we might see that difference where because it's not right it's your character kind of more in a sense that maybe the more more of an avatar than it is a a protagonist right right maybe that'll allow for that kind of like here's not our story in the you know uh medieval england it's it's your story and your character and you can approach it how you want mm-hmm. um more along the lines of a game games like uh, uh skyrim and 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 more traditional rpgs where you can you know you progress how you want to progress yeah uh yeah so i definitely have a lot of gripes with a lot of the side content in this game um which is unfortunate for me specifically because the way i like to play open world games is to do all of the side content Mm -hmm. before i do uh the main quest so like there were some sequences where i was playing for five ten hours before i even started the main story and and uh and then at the end of it all i was like wait was that worth it (laughs) <laughs> the, because what I ended up getting was uh, uh, flashback missions that left me dissatisfied, and uh, just a bunch of money sinks that I didn't I didn't even end up finishing the the renovation quest because, like I said, by the time I realized, or like by the time I was about to go do it, I had already begun the main story mission that was like, nope, you can't actually return to Rome here. Yeah, you you've hit this blocker now that says nope. <laughs> yep. Too bad. Yeah, so yeah, so I I ended up not even being able to finish it, which in the end I'm fine with because like what was I gonna do with with the rewards anyway? Right, uh, right. But you know, I mean, it's two two side quests were I feel like a similar amount of disappointment, but in a different way. Where there was ju- they were just like there were so many of them and they were so bland and and samey that they fell flat and the and the thing that both of these games have in common is that the coolest part is doing the tombs and doing the underground you know mini dungeons Mm -hmm. especially in this game i think as a whole in this game the level design is so fucking cool like being underground in the lairs it really adds a lot to just the way that they go about doing parkour like instead of just like scaling a building you're like using different kinds of structures and fallen and broken down like just everything to 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 navigate through a room and it turns every instance of parkour into a puzzle which is awesome yeah and and i think the coolest one for sure is kind of jumping through the rafters of the vatican chasing after the the priest or whatever and then you you end in this like it's like thundering and raining outside so like you're going out on the outside of the of the vatican with a in a thunderstorm and then you go back inside and there's a bunch of like rafters and shit and it's that was really cool the level design in this game is superb um and then, in general, the the way that this game progresses, it, another thing that kind of irked me was that it, at every, almost up until, like, memory sequence six, 
it just it feels like it's constantly trying to introduce new things to you where mm-hmm. it was just like well i've basically played this game before so you can i feel like you could have just thrown all of this to me at once like if they had just introduced everything to me at once and then said okay go explore the world i would have been much more fine with that but instead it's like you you get to a certain point and then it's like okay here's this new thing that's only kind of different than the other five things we've shown you up to this point you know, like, I mm-hmm. think at, at a certain point through the game, they, they introduced the uh, the Templar agents missions, which is like, it explains it, and it's like, okay, this is the new kind of mission, but it's basically just like another assassination contractor, another, like, go beat up this dude, you know? Um, so, basically, everything outside of the main story in this game kind of fell flat for me, uh, unfortunately. It's, it's just because I... I like I put all the time in and felt like I didn't get anything out of it. Right, and, right. Um but <laughs> the uh the the thing that this game I think does very very well is the overall just like theming and keeping everything kind of all contained within one central theme and that is pretty much the assassins are removing the Borgia influence from Rome. It's like almost everything that you do uh kind of ties back into that central theme where it's like all of the quests you're doing are removing the borgia influence the borgia flags you're literally stealing the borgia flags because they are representing the borgia and you're removing them from rome and it's it's cool uh like that you have the borgia towers which replace some of the uh the, the just the normal vi- uh towers yeah yep. instead of just climbing a tower this time you have to find and kill the leader of the tower and then set it on fire and then you take it over and it's really cool um and stuff like that uh and then and then also i think i brought this up in the general assassin's creed episode but the way that it uh explains a way general gameplay mechanics into the lore like the menu in the game being the anim being like the me- the animus menu right where like, yeah yeah that's that is what desmond is seeing and it is also what you are seeing and like even eagle vision right like eagle vision seems like it's this like cool power that like is a video game thing but what it actually is is it's like the things that are highlighted in the eagle vision are things that were highlighted by subject 16 as hints for for like future users of the animus right and i thought that like all of that was really cool and that's the part that i love about assassin's creed yeah, that is uh, definitely like just the way it integrates both both worlds uh, is is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and, I'm and starting to are... see. I I've hit a point where I I there, I I starting to see that a little bit more in Odyssey, okay. which is which is cool because I felt like I didn't really see that much in Origins, and now in this one they like kind of are connecting the worlds back together a little bit and uh that i was like oh cool uh i can't remember what it was it was like uh there were like little things to interact with in this certain space i was in and it was like nice um pulling like the it was like the you know the juna uh, not the juna the minerva stuff like someone talking not to uh the like to the The main character but but as the but person. talking to the person Looking in the, the animus yeah. yeah which was like oh yeah right that's what this this is and then it does the the, the menu at the animus menu uh well um i think in in origins and odyssey too 
Yeah. Uh, it has that same thing. Where you can leave the Animus at any time if you want to. Not that it's worth doing that, but yeah. it's kind of like a yeah, a cool little like a, thing. Yeah. Like a like a thing that adds a little more realism and, and context to the game where it's like, you know, you aren't actually playing as the assassin. You are playing as somebody playing as the assassin. So it's like Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, the the, the world building of Assassin's Creed is always, I think, at least up to this point, top notch. Uh and it's it's been it's 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 especially apparent in this game with uh with the city of Rome in general. Um and uh so that that that's uh so we haven't even talked about the combat yet, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the combat I think is is mostly the same as two, but I think it, they've they've added ways to to spice it up. I think, and it might be just like a placebo or a, like I might be delusional, but I think they made the the counterattack command easier again to execute, where where I felt like I was like not timing the button press at all and still getting it. The, mm-hmm. the, the biggest thing that they added in this game is the kill streak system. Yeah. Where if you kill an enemy, usually either by counterattack, it was very weird because you had to kill somebody in specific ways. Like if you assassinated somebody, you could not kill streak somebody. And basically, what kill streaking is uh, is as after you kill somebody, if you hit the attack button while targeting another enemy, you just instantly kill them. And you can do that for basically as many enemies as are around you at the time uh but if you assassinate them from above or from behind and get like the the sneak up assassination animation then it doesn't actually work and you have to then fight whoever notices you um which is which i thought was a little weird but i guess it also makes sense because the assassinations are meant to be from secret and they're not meant to be like fight starters yeah i i want to say in a future title, and I want to say it's maybe Revolutions or three, they like they fix that, and you can, you like can chain assassinations from from a, an assassination, and it okay. feels a lot better and feel like more organic. Like yeah, if you surprise somebody, you're surprising the other people around them too, so you should be able to pull off like some quick moves. Yeah, and like there are sometimes, and this existed in two as well, where if you do sneak up and assassinate someone, sometimes they'll like notice you and like are about to start a fight, but you can still walk straight up to them and kill them. Yeah, there's still that window. Yeah, but it only happened sometimes, and it was weird. Um, but um, in this game, the so the kill streak system kind of breaks combat in a lot of instances, where like you can the the way that you uh, in, uh, activate the kill streaks are by killing someone either by by counterattack, like I said, or by uh, hitting them over and over until their health bar drops, and the they made that less easy to do in this game where you kind of can't just wail on somebody until their guard breaks. Sometimes you have to uh, like disarm them or or it, it's actually sometimes you have to just pick the lowest level of enemy because as the game goes on, I think the 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 status of the enemy is reflected by the amount of health squares they have. So if you yeah, pick yeah. out the, the enemy that has two health squares, you can kind of just beat on him until his health goes down and then after you kill him, you activate the kill streaks, and then you can kind of do your thing. Uh, but it also, I think, one of the things that this game does do in terms of the open world aspect of it, or at least what I would like it to have done uh, with its other systems, is it gives you a lot of combat options from the start. It gives you mm-hmm. the the gun from the beginning. You have your longsword and your your hidden blade. 
um, right from the beginning, you have uh, your throwing knives, you have like poison darts or whatever, and then you can instant, you can almost immediately buy the crossbow, which the crossbow is the coolest thing, right? Like it's basically just a quieter version of the gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so like it, it adds a lot to the stealth gameplay because you can do long range assassinations that are actually quiet, so you stay, um, you stay <laughs> and, and- hidden. I feel like I remember being... It's a little game-breaking. <laughs> yeah, definitely, for sure. Uh, because especially... And, and I'm even actually seeing this in Ghost of Tsushima as I play today, but, like, for some reason, the sight lines of enemies are not realistic. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, they should definitely be able to see me. I'm only, like, 50 feet away from them, but because, like, their their vision only works within a certain radius, I assume... Yeah, they're, uh, it, they're like it, cone. <laughs> yeah, like even though they're facing me, I'm still too far away where they're not going to notice me. And that happens a lot in this game too, especially when you're like going in close quarters. Like there was a section when I was supposed to be invading the the Borgia like stronghold or whatever. Mm. And I was in this like courtyard area and there were three guards in it and they were kind of all posted at different corners. And I killed one of them in one corner and neither of the other two noticed. And then I walked up and killed the other guy in the other corner and like i was maybe almost at halfway through like halfway into the center of the courtyard and the guy in the other corner like the third corner did not notice me and so (laughs) so the silence in this game don't really make sense sometimes but most for the most part they're pretty good um because this game's uh so so the 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 com- aside from the crossbow, the the combat is is very cool, uh, and the the animations in this game are a lot more slick. It's another kind of instance of I think just the general game performance being enhanced. Yeah. Um. Although the. Uh, and and I think the thing that makes the gun and the crossbow a little more balanced is that you can't really use it if you get into a fight with a lot of guards, which will happen. Um. But for the most part, if you're doing stealth sections, it does break the game a little bit. And the one thing that I hated about the combat is at the end of the game when you play with the apple. Oh, yeah, that sequence sucks. Dude, it was it was very frustrating because it forces you to use the apple. Yeah. And the, I think the, the stupidest thing about it is that the extra requirement for synchronization was don't lose any health. But in order to use the apple, it costs right. health. It costs health. <laughs> so, like, what... Like how is they that want even... you to just slowly walk and try to not die and not kill anybody. But yeah, so like at that point, how are you even supposed to, uh, fi- like get a hundred percent synchronization? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, what? <sighs> that was very frustrating, and it's like, and even I th- I feel like the the radius and effects of the apple were inconsistent. Like sometimes it would like straight up kill people. Sometimes it would just have them go insane or attack other people and it was it was weird but then then like your health regenerated which also doesn't usually happen so mm-hmm. that was like a new mechanic and it was like it it just went on for way too long it for you couldn't switch to any other weapons it was uh it was just bad that part and i'm glad it only actually happens at the end of the game though which is which is nice yeah and it's right it's well it's it I feels like it's, like it's too to be, long but yeah. It's not that long of a sequence. <laughs> yeah, like, it's supposed to be this, like, payoff of almost two games, right? Or three games, even, because the last, the final boss fight in Assassin's Creed 1 is against Al-Mualim, 
and he's using the apple. Yeah, you, yeah. Right? And it's like, so you have these three games of build up to this like ancient artifact, all powerful thing, and then you get to use it, and then it sucks. So, <laughs> yeah, that was that was just like at that point after having spent all the time doing side objectives that I decided were not worth my time. That was just the icing on the cake. <laughs> Um, but in general, aside from the combat itself, the stealth in this game is very good. I think it. I think this game has done the best job of in the series so far of delivering on the stealth action fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sightlines are for the most part more realistic, uh, and there are a lot of missions that actually take advantage of the stealth. Uh, that just didn't exist in the first two games. Like there are missions where there are more missions where the main requirement is do not be detected, and the the actual like like parameters in which you have to remain undetected are much tighter. And so like you have to yeah. actually be more careful when you're planning out your routes and who you're going to kill and when and like how many other guards there are. Um, I think it's it's really cool. Um. And so the, the the I think a good example of this are the the tailing missions, which are very prominent throughout this game. You do tail a lot of people, and, and they were a, a mission type in Assassin's Creed 2 as well. Uh, and they kind of work the same way, but in this game it's a lot better because the the targets often will turn around and be and and inspect behind them because most of the time they are targets who are suspicious and don't want anybody to be following them. Yeah. <laughs> So it makes sense for them to be doing that. And then when they do turn around, it's like you have to actually be well hidden. Otherwise, they'll notice you. And so I feel like the way that it, this game encouraged stealth was much better done than in the first two games. Um, and so that was I think that was really awesome for me because that's what I wanted the Assassin's Creed series to be doing is focusing on the stealth more so than the combat because mm-hmm. the I, I think that the first Assassin's Creed game like should not even be called a stealth game because you almost don't do it like you basically just you're just fighting dudes all the time in that game and so (laughs) in in this game it it feels a lot better to do um so that was that was really cool uh in terms of how the game controls it is pretty similar to two i feel like i hit i finally hit the sweet spot with this game where I got my PS4 controller to sync up, and I messed with the controls in the settings until all of the buttons on my screen matched up with my controller's <laughs> face buttons. <laughs> the problem is that every button is still referred to as button one, button two, button three, etc. Yeah, yeah. That's so, so weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still better than in two because in two you had the weird symbols right you had like the one symbol that was like a hand and the other one was a foot and like yeah but in this one it's it just says button one button two button three button four on your hud and that's cool for that but every other button on your controller is referred to by a number and so it'll say like press button eight to do this and i'm like i don't know what button that is (laughs) like so i have to basically (laughs) just guess until i figure it out yeah Um, but i did switch around the controllers by default the uh, X and square buttons are swapped and the circle and triangle buttons are swapped. Uh, so it basically like inverts the diamond and that's weird. Uh, <laughs> so it was the same as it was in the second game, but I switched it to make it more sense. Uh, so that was cool. But I think the kind of the same um, 
issues plague this game that plagued one and two where the controls are sometimes just very unresponsive where like you could be climbing something and then all of a sudden you'll stop or go in the complete wrong direction yeah yeah uh the the camera controls in general i think are bad especially because a lot of the game's actions especially when sprinting or climbing require two buttons to be held down on the right side of the controller so you can't free up your thumb to turn the right stick to move the camera unless you stop sprinting and that's right so you have to like hope the game tracks you like you want it to yeah exactly so it's like it, so a lot of that stuff is just very finicky uh if <laughs> in sometimes during combat the controls flip out too like i would uh try to press a button to do something and it just wouldn't do it or like you know it, it's been a, it's been a little bit at this point so i don't remember uh very many specific examples um all of the like i said the the war machine sections were were pretty wonky to control um mm. Uh, and then the the last thing for the controls that that sucked for me was the was any instance of horse riding, or at least very specifically horse riding in close quarters, which is a thing you have to do at some point. Because oh my god, it just the horse wants to just like crash into everything and <laughs> try and hop over all the things, and it's like, and then sometimes you have to like do horse assassinations where you jump from horse to horse and kill another dude and then like sword fight people and oh man it was just uh it was just odd um and this is more of a personal gripe but the on the pc version in order to even get the ps4 controller to recognize i have to have it plugged into my computer when i boot the game up otherwise it won't recognize so then i'd have oh. to restart the game and then plug it in and then boot it up which is that's weird just, yeah huh. that's that was just a that's just like a like a, a like a small inconvenience, but yeah, I mean, it definitely a a symptom of the the PC port. Yeah. Um, which back in back in 2010, PC uh support wasn't all that. Uh, yeah, it wasn't as prominent as it is now. Yeah. So. So yeah, uh, I think that just about covers most, if not all, of this game. Uh, I I took much more extensive notes this time, so I'm pretty sure we covered all of it. Um, nice. The yeah. Uh, other than that, I so in in terms so okay. So this is this is where uh things might get spicy, <gasps> especially considering I feel like you might have have guessed this based on on the amount of ranting I've done. But I, I think I like two more. I yeah, I definitely I definitely was getting that vibe. Yeah. And uh and I think it's just and this is is much I think they are very on par with each other. I think mm. that that two succeeds in areas where Brotherhood does not, and Brotherhood succeeds in areas where two does not. Like I think the in general the combat and stealth and Brotherhood are far are like far improved uh, than in two. And uh, mm-hmm. but it, I think a lot of the same issues still plague it. Um, but the world building is still very cool. I it it sounds like uh, just from from our conversation too is that two I think ages better um, than yeah. Brotherhood, and it 
I think it could be because of of the like what you're saying about the like the open world aspects. The like the side missions are staler, and it's because uh, I think like so, th- some of those aspects that maybe are more prominent in Brotherhood are have are just way better in games today. Yeah, partially, and then like I think the reason part of it is that in two, right? It's not it's not really pretending to be an open world because the game is so segmented into these very distinct areas. Whereas in brotherhood, it drops you into one location. And I like, based on my experiences, expect it to be more open and, and, but it still is, is built in the same way that two is where the story is segmented and you can't go to specific areas until you've, you've reached a specific point in the story. Right, right. You've completed certain memory segments, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So it feels like after playing both games, that two, uh, is is very upfront about what it's doing, and the it doesn't waste your time, uh, really with with doing any with with doing a lot in the game. There's obviously there's a lot of busy work side quests, uh, that I did just because I'm I that's the completionist in me. Yeah, um, yeah. But in general, a lot of the side quests reward you very well. The investment mechanic rewards you very well, uh, and the um, it doesn't really feel like nothing is is it doesn't really feel like anything is pointless to do. Whereas in in Brotherhood, I feel like I at the end of it all, I feel like I should have just played the main story. Yeah, why? Like, why bother doing the extra stuff? Yeah, yeah. It, which it pains me to say that because I know the reputation that Brotherhood has, and I, I, I like, I still love so much about this game, and I love the world building, and I love the characters, and the story, and the and the the lore. Uh, so overall, I think I would give Brotherhood an eight out of ten. But that's just that's just like just barely squeaking below two. Don't get me wrong, I still I still really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it was just like so so much of it just just struck me the wrong way. I think. Um, okay. What would what what would you give it uh, out of ten as your favorite game? In this I series? mean, I I think back back then I probably would have gave it like a nine point five. Yeah. Like, if 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 two was a nine, then and that yeah brotherhood's a 9.5 and revelations is a is a is an 8 <laughs> okay well i'm definitely very interested to see how revelations does because uh, i don't remember much about it get ready for the most frustrating gameplay segment i think in the entire series really yeah i think you only have to do it two or three times uh okay. Or maybe like, like on like in the main story, like you're required to do it two or three times. But I believe it exists. Like you can do it more than twice. But uh-huh. I don't think anyone in their right mind would have done it the other times. It's not the subject sixteen sections, is it? No, no. Or is that uh, three? It's like the. Is it like a? Do you defend? You're like defending or attacking bases, Templar bases, oh, or okay. defending assassins bases. I, I can't remember oh. exactly, but it's I... very. Very frustrating. I will get there, I'm sure. Uh, so, so what is that? That that puts Brotherhood at like a collective eight point seven five. Yeah, between the two of us, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Which is about, I think, what it sat, uh, like critically. Really? I, th- I think so. How how did it do critically compared to two? 
Was it what, uh, was it generally received as better or worse? I think I saw just saw eighty nine. Was it is its Metacritic score? And okay. And Assassin's Creed two Metacritic for PlayStation three ninety one. Ninety one. So it, it is a little six user score. What's the let's, let's see. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood has a 90 and an 8.3 user score. Okay. So, so, I, so that actually reflects my thoughts on it. I think it's yeah because it's I, very, it very slightly under two. So okay, I thought I was gonna have a very unpopular opinion. I thought we, I thought a lot of people considered Brotherhood to be the best game in the series. I and I think that's one of the things is you you can really go between two and brotherhood as as the best i guess yeah because like especially in recent discussions with all the all of the you know discussions surrounding it after valhalla's reveal and the kind of the resurgence of the series i have always whenever people are talking about it i always hear it's either brotherhood or four and like two is two is still one of the best games but it's not as good as those two mm -hmm. uh but but i i guess it's uh it's more interesting now to to see that there is more of a more of a difference in opinion um and that's cool it, yeah I, I guess it validates me a little bit more because i i thought i was gonna just like like turn some heads and be like how could this guy say that that two is better <laughs> or some shit but uh yeah but no that's uh that's cool i am uh i am i hope that i that the series will surprise me and that I have not just played the best two games or, or that all, even though I know I, I did, but I hope that I will find more enjoyment in the rest of the series than other people. I mean, I think the big thing you have looking forward to is you haven't played the worst yet. You're so right. you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and you've played the first game. <laughs> yeah. And so far, Oh boy, that is a, that was the game. <laughs> But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Assassin's Creed Revelations is up next. The conclusion to the Ezio trilogy, uh, but not the conclusion of the Desmond saga. Uh, yeah, not quite yet. Nope. <laughs> so we will... Uh, I'm very, very much looking forward to getting at least to there. Uh, we... I probably won't get around to playing Revelations for a little while, like I said, because I want to play... Brotherhood, or just, damn it, I just played Brotherhood. Uh, I want to play Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is basically an Assassin's Creed game, but good. Um, <laughs> and then I think after I'm done with that, I probably we should at some point have a discussion about when the hell we're gonna play Control, because it's been oh, a hot, yeah. it's been a hot minute. When, when yeah. did the uh, let's see when the Messenger episode came out? That was like right before Jeff went on vacation, so. I think be... we might be getting close to our longest gap between backlog episodes. Absolutely, probably. That, yeah. The messenger came out uh, on July second, so just, July second, just about a month or so ago. Okay. Um, I wonder what the largest gap has been. The smallest gap was two episodes when we played Super Metroid, and like, let's see, it was two, and then five, and then let's see, that's fifteen. Then six, and then doo -doo -doo -doo, and then eight. So it has gotten progressively longer each time. Yeah. And now we are currently 
five episodes. Okay, out. so. So actually, if we if we decide like in two weeks from now, like, hey, let's play Control, then we we probably make make that cutoff. But, uh, but yeah, I know Jeff has not touched it. I know I have only played a little bit of it because I've been trying to play other things, and I want it to be more fresh for me when we actually do that episode. So, yeah, that's why I that's why I stopped because I was yeah. like, it doesn't sound like we're we're gonna get to it anytime soon. I I will probably start again start again soon because I want to finish it and then play the DLC. Yeah. I think after Jeff and I finished Ghost of Tsushima, because we are in very similar spots at the moment, uh, yep. we should have a... We'll probably figure out when we're going to play Control and, and, and get a little more closer to that. So depending on whether or not I actually uh, get to do that, then I may <laughs> or may not start Revelations after Ghost. Uh, but who knows? So it might be a little ways out before the next episode, but I am still looking forward to when it happens. All right. So I think that's just about going to do it. For, for this bonus episode of uh, of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Uh, 8.75 out of 10 is our official Game Shark score. Uh, you can... Uh, let's see. Do I still have the information saved? Nope. But I have the website. You can follow our Instagram at... Uh, fuck. <laughs> Game Sharks Podcast. Uh, I believe the Twitter is at Game Sharks Cast. That's I the, believe that's right. Yeah. Let's 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 fact check it, because I have a computer. It is at Game Sharks Cast on Twitter, Game Sharks Podcast at yahoo.com. You can email us, uh, tell us what you think of of Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, uh, and how much you are dreading when I get to, or how much you're looking forward to the eventual dread I will have playing Revelations. <laughs> um, you can check out our website, uh, where maybe sometime we'll post an article. The last one was posted on June 4th. Yeah, it's been a while. And the last one before that was my original Assassin's Creed review. So, <laughs> oh boy. We have uh, we have not been busy with that. Uh, but that's going to do it. Uh, we will see you probably in the next episode of the, the regular cast, which I think will come out either the same day or the day after this. Uh, so I will we will talk to you guys then. We still don't have a sign-off. We still don't have a sign-off. Shark you later. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)